Hey everyone, Michael Thiessen here, and you are listening to Open Mic with Michael Thiessen. And I'm excited today to be talking to an old friend, as you know, Mr. James Kitchen. And we have with us a new friend, and that is Joshua Alexander. Josh, I think it's pretty official, but Liberty Coalition Canada stands with Josh. We stand with Josh. And so uh, we're really glad to have you on the show and to be talking to both of you about all of the recent developments, both in um, in the legal world around Josh, about what you've been doing, and also just in your personal life, what's been happening. So why don't we start off, our listeners are probably aware of what's been happening around you, Josh, but why don't you... Why don't you describe for us the last number of weeks of your young teenage life and what's been going on? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on. So uh, just as a quick summary, I guess, uh, as most of you know, back in uh, November, I was suspended from my school indefinitely uh, after uh, voicing my opinions on uh, a multitude of topics, such as uh, how many genders there are, whether identity trumps biology or um, whether things like male breastfeeding are okay. Uh, this was all in my Catholic high school. Um, I was informed by a few female students that they were uh, disturbed by the presence of male students in their washrooms, and this sparked a lot of classroom discussion, and that gave me uh, the platform uh, where I shared my uh, so-called dangerous views. So now I'm uh, kicked out of my school for the year. And uh, I've been uh, suspended twice, given two exclusions, and also arrested at my high school. So that's a pretty quick summary. Why don't you go back and slow down a little bit on some of the details? So particularly, you've got these female peers who are expressing concern. Like, are are we talking about fear? Are we talking about, like, are, are they, are they, like, holding it and not going to the bathroom because they're they're uncomfortable let's let's start with those female uh peers and their emotions and kind of the things that they were telling you yeah well i hadn't i hadn't gone to the school very long um so i didn't know many of these students too well i'd only been there for a month or so and uh it became very apparent that there were a few female students that were quite concerned by the presence of uh male students in their washrooms that's obviously a natural concern it's uh it's pretty disturbing to see how little uh reaction there was from the administrators when they uh were made aware of these uh concerns and uh yeah i i don't know the to what extent each uh female uh felt that fear but it was obviously enough for them to come and talk to a kid they barely knew right yeah, that's a that's a hard one, James. In this climate, everyone's afraid of of you know immediately getting canceled or immediately getting yelled out of the room. And and Josh, we're going to go more into that about how the accusation against you is bullying. When in reality, that's usually the case is that it's flipped right on its head. And on this, uh, the phrase that Josh just used, he said, you know, which is a natural feeling, like. I'm a father of both young men and young women, and I certainly resonate with that idea that it would be a natural feeling for girls to walk into a raw, a washroom and be alarmed to have a dude there. You want to comment on that, or are you just going to leave me hanging? 
<laughs> I'm just having fun with you. I know. <laughs> It's like, you know, all of the, every time I have someone on and now it's like, we're good friends. They're just like, how can I make my life so awkward? Okay, that's good. Go, you know. Well, the amount of times you said that to me. Um, you know, this, this is an issue I've talked about for years and it's, it, it, it's a, it's a very serious issue. I mean, it's hard because obviously it's a bit of a, it's a bit of an issue that's easy to laugh at, but it's also very serious. And um, I guess I'm very glad that it's getting the kind of attention now that it's getting. That's the attention it needs. But I've talked about for years the problems with um, just forgetting uh, a lot of things, obviously, but forgetting about the the legitimate needs and feelings of young women, Um, which shouldn't, which is kind of shocking. That's something we seem to forget about, considering we used to be a society that was all about uh, women's rights, um, all about bringing women out of the supposedly patriarchal suppress, you know, oppression and suppression that they suffered for centuries. Um, and here we are doing this to them. Um, you know, and same with me. Oh, I got a young teenage daughter, right? And I, I mean, I can only imagine um, how um, angry and uh, fearful and um, outraged and disturbed I would be if she came home and said, Daddy, you know, I, there was a boy in the girls' washroom today and I just didn't know what to do. I was so scared. I was so anxious. And, you know, I, I just I had to run out of there and I mean, can you imagine? I mean, that's what's happening all over the country in Canada, right? I mean, it's not like this is like a one-off with with this school in Renfrew. This is happening all across the country in in, in hundreds of school boards. And it's a, yes, it's a very serious thing. And it's very wrong to be doing this to young girls. Um, obviously, I know some girls support this, right? They're, they're, they're supportive of, of transgenderism or they're doing it themselves. But I know that there's, you know, the majority of girls are like, okay, this is this is just not okay. You know, I feel bad for these students, but what about me? Can I not go to the bathroom in privacy and security and safety without a, without a, without seeing a boy or without a boy seeing me? Like that's just not okay. I'm, I don't have to be that old or have a PhD in sociology to understand that this is just not morally or ethically acceptable way to live. Um, yeah, and I'm really glad Josh is standing up for these girls because I know it's really hard for them to stand up on their own. I get that. I mean, I, I always encourage them to, but I get that it's really, really hard, right? Because that's the thing. Nobody wants to listen to them, right? They see the way, they see the way women who stand up for women's rights as opposed to, to supposedly trans rights, um, they see the way those women are treated. They see the way J.K. Rowling's been treated. They, they, they see the way the nurse in BC was treated, Amy, Amy Ham, and they say, well, I can't say anything, right? I'm going to get in trouble. You know, I've, I've had women in, in tears on the phone with me about various issues, including this one, because they're scared. Right. And they say, I, you know, I don't know what to do. Help me. Um, so it's, it, it is a very serious, serious concern. And um, I'm glad that we're, you know, hopefully now going to consider it a little more. I think it was back in an inter- interview I did with Barbara Kay, where she said, basically, women can't even be women with men trying to bully them out of that space. Like, and again, I'm not a feminist, so I want strong men to be strong men and I want strong men to protect women. And I fully will say out loud that men are needed to protect women as physically frailer individuals. Um, And when the men abdicate that responsibility to protect women, we see abuse everywhere from men to women and women to women. And in this case, Girls can't even find themselves in the own headspace of saying, I am a woman without these 
men trying to infiltrate that. You know, the other thing that's really concerning about this, and the reason why we're going in on this point, because Josh, th- this is why you started standing up, and we honor that, and we just want to stay with you. I just typed in transgender rape in USA. I just typed that into Google. So Google's not even a friendly search engine. Um, mm. Female prisoner says she was raped by transgender in- inmates. Transgender Rikers inmates get seven years for raping female prisoner. Um, judge v- Virginia judge finds trans teen guilty of sexual assault in uh, Loudoun County. If you guys want to look up a really serious case of this at a, at a high school, Loudoun County is the place that you look to. Um, transgender um, uh, trans prison experiment. This is from the Daily Mail uh, in the UK. Leads to more rape and abuse in women's prisons. Like, like it's obvious. Uh, they, you've got, you've got at, at your best case scenario, you have someone who is really confused about life. At your worst case scenario, you have a predator who is uh, using the stupidity of the adults and the cowardice of the males around him to find an experience where he can corner a woman where, where else, where else are young women going and trying to be alone? You know? Uh, So, so this is a really serious problem. We need to deal with it. We need more young men like Joshua to stand up and say, no no more, no more guys in women's bathrooms. Like that's gotta be done. And so, Josh, we, we stand with you. And, and I, w- I want to point out just the word that you said. You said natural. Yes, because, and, and this is, leads to the, the discussion. So, Josh, I believe that a part of the discussion was you actually reading scripture. God created them male and female. So w- when you think of the philosophical and theological world, we often use the word natural theology or, or um, natural revelation or general revelation, when we're talking about a truth that is so creationally obvious that no one is without excuse. It, it, it's, it's, creation is so obvious about it. If you deny it, you're without excuse. That's, that's how scripture in Romans 1 talks about this. We've gotten into the habit of saying that natural theology is somehow detached from religion. That's another topic for another day. But when you say the word natural, you are referring to something that is so creationally intact and obvious that no one can deny it. And yet, you getting up and reading that creational, that general revelation, and drawing people to God's specific word, where he tells you, just, just in case you didn't know, uh, specifically in the case of you know people wanting to just be sexual sexually freely, and Jesus says no, God created them male and female. Um, tell us about that experience, Josh. Like, was that a class debate? How did that go, and how did that lead to you reading scripture, and what happened? Yeah, so the word natural actually came up in class too. There was actually a debate specifically about that word. My teachers, this was actually on the topic of male breastfeeding, um, was asking how it was wrong, and I had to uh, very graphically describe uh, what he was actually promoting. And uh, this kind of went over some of the students in my class. But uh, beyond that, I went on to say it's unnatural and it doesn't belong in a child's uh, upbringing. And he said, what do you mean by natural? 
and uh and then we got into that entire debate and uh i said males were created with penises by god and the opposite for females and uh, i said if it's not the way god created it, it's not natural and uh he said and he's i'm in a catholic school i remember this and he uh tells me that creation didn't never happen and uh so then I ask him, so I ask him what his view on it is as Catholic, and he goes on to give me the whole evolution theory, which was just pretty ridiculous. And then I start debating uh, creation versus uh, evolution with him in my math class. <laughs> yeah, and so okay, I want to I want to just jump. I want to I want to talk a bit about that point. So number one, just Josh, finish that off. Did you actually at some point read scripture and say? Look at look at this is it's right like you're a Catholic it's right here in the Bible that you and I both claim is authority. Did you read that text? Yeah, I didn't have a Bible on me at the time, but I did quote scripture. I uh, quoted Mark ten six as well as uh, Genesis one verse twenty six and twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> no, it's great. And the Mark quote is of course Jesus affirming. Yeah. Exactly what what the Old Testament had already specifically said. Okay, so yeah, this is is it, can we have a little bit of fun here? Like this is a Catholic school, like that is what makes this absolutely hilarious. But it also makes it absolutely tragic because mm. the Catholic school has been the, the the Catholic school board has utterly failed to vet its teachers, and what they have is a bunch of uh, what they have is a bunch of. If they're if they're by name Catholic, they are certainly by action atheists. And when you're literally talking about a, a Catholic teacher denying the creation, um, the, the creation narrative, you have a Catholic teacher denying the doctrines of the Church. And so again, you would think that the Catholic Church would be like, "Oh, we got to do something about this. We have a teacher who's teaching students not in accordance with our doctrines." And of course, we're not seeing that. So, so James, um, oh, it, okay. Before I go to James, and of course, everybody, just so you know, like the evolution creation debate, I've lived long enough where everyone says that doesn't matter, guys. Like it, it always has mattered. You have a young man sitting here who's expelled from school simply because the absurdity of evolutionary theory. Which, by the way, if evolutionary theory is correct, then I'm just going to go dominate you all. And who cares about law? Like, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go murder, rape, pillage. Like, I'm just, why? Where's your moral case if there is absolutely no ultimate authority? So again, even in that case, the logic is inconsistent. I'm kicking you out of school because you're a mean kid and who doesn't like that kid? Well, who cares? Like, you you don't believe in it. We're all evolutionary animals. I'm just a stronger, wiser, more articulate animal. Let me be. On its face, it has absolutely no credibility, even if you give them their logical argument. So James, this is where we start stepping in. Explain to us here where we start stepping in. Now, Josh has been uh, expelled He's or uh, he's been asked to be removed from his class. And this is where this is where we kind of step in, kind of explain the legal background about what's going on here. Sure. So uh, Josh was suspended in November. That was um, for a number of reasons. It had to do with the protest walkout that he planned. Um, it had to do with allegations of bullying. Um, no allegations of actual bullying were made out, but allegations of sort of 
uh, fake woke bullying were made out. And so that's just, that suspension was upheld. Um, so we, we, Liberty Coalition Canada got involved. I got involved legally at the end of December. We wanted to appeal that suspension, and then we would sort of see where, where we went from there. But following that suspension, we also had um, these conditions of his return for, for, for January, which involved him missing half of his classes every day because there was transgender students in that class. And there was also some vague um, con conditions that probably required compelled speech on the part of Josh, sort of to, you know, because he would have to express his sort of um, his belief in, in the woke transgender religion and sort of, you know, he wouldn't be able to, to, to speak Christianity, um, you know, because he would have to acknowledge people switching genders and all that. Um, so those two conditions were in place. So I wrote to the school board and I said, look, um, you know, we got compelled speech. We got blatant religious discrimination and segregation. You're kicking him out of this class because there's trans students in the class that don't like what he believes and they don't want him in there. That's completely unacceptable. It's blatantly unlawful. Can we can we just get rid of that and let's sort something out? Let's be adults and let's figure out how Josh can actually go back to school, be treated equally. And, you know, any legitimate concerns you've got about bullying, let's deal with that. Right. Josh isn't going to punch the transgender kids in the head. He isn't going to follow them around and call them names. You know, he isn't going to do that. I know he isn't going to do that. But if you're really that concerned about it, let's make sure that we do something to, to put something in place. That's not going to happen. They refused. They said, no, um, he uh He's, he, he can't go to those classes. And I said, well, he's going to go to those classes because this is unlawful. And they said, well, if that's, if that's what you're going to do, Mr. Kitchen, then he's not allowed at school at all. So, of course, you know, Josh, being, being the brave principal young man he is, and you know, the kind of person that doesn't tacitly condone unlawful behavior by complying with it, um, he went to school and then they uh, imposed another suspension and the exclusion notice. Now, an exclusion notice is some technical... Okay, stop me. I, no, you're good because I just don't. Uh, you've told a part of the story, and I want to pause and now let let Josh have a good reaction to that. But hold on to that word exclusion because we do want you to explain it later. So, Josh, um, what has what has this cost you then? Like, are we talking like uh, the classes up until December not counted as complete? Uh, obviously, you're not going to school right now. Um, what is the cost been? And you know, James talked about this allusion towards bullying. I want bullying. I want you to tell me exactly how these type, how you were treated in the middle of these types of debates. So, what when you were sharing your? I, again, I don't want to put too much on religious views because I think they are religious views, but just also just common sense that males have a penis and women have a vagina and. Uh, every person who has ever lived on earth with the exception of this ideology has acknowledged that. Um, what was the experience like? So the accusations bullying, what was it really like on the ground? And then what has this cost you academically? Yeah. So uh, the, uh, there was a lot of hostile response from both staff and students. Um, I get, uh, I got shouted at and, you know, I got I got the whole uh, leftist list, uh, racist, sex, bigot, homophobe, you name it, um, all because I shared my beliefs that were based on biology, reality, and religion. But uh, yeah, that's what I that's what I uh, got labeled by the tolerant left as. Um, 
But as for education, like, were they up in your face? Were they pushing you? Were what? What was it intense? Like on one hand, I think you know you got James Kitchen here. He's got pretty thick skin. You got Mike Thiessen here. I've learned how to have pretty thick skin. You're you're you, you seem like you're you naturally have some a, a, a spine slash a little bit of thick skin. But still, I don't want to I don't want to sail over this. Like what were they what were they doing to you in your high school classroom and in your high school environment other than like was someone like yelling that at you you this you're that you're like how did, you know was it a was it a yeah, nice kind note like what what was it like oh i'd get um i've got messages like hundreds of messages online i'd get students that i went to school with telling me to kill myself um I have uh, the teachers, the amount of times I walked in on teachers talking with students behind my back about me, uh, like mocking me and all that. I mean, it was it was pretty unprofessional for a uh, classroom. But yeah, like you said, like, I've gotten used to it. It's just it's natural. Natural. Like, James, like, <laughs> I, Josh is not giving me what I want. Like, I'm, I'm kind of looking for a tear. <laughs> I'm kind of looking for, like... He's handling it so well, but come on, like these teachers are gossiping. Students are in his face. He he was told, go kill yourself. Like go kill yourself because you believe a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. Like that is literal bullying. That's actually, that's incitement to violence. Like we could turn around right now. And if Josh was willing to name that student, we could turn around right now and ask the police to investigate criminal charges. Am I wrong on that, James? Well, yes, we could. I mean, I think the police would probably you know, no, no, ignore it. Am, am, am I? Am I? I know that we will. But what I'm getting at is, is like th- that's actual bullying. Like that—that's actual criminal behavior to look someone else in the eye and say, "Go kill yourself," with the intent to say, like, like. Like if I said that to my wife, she could call the police and I would, I could be criminally charged. Could I well, not? I, yeah. <laughs> I think there's two things going on there, right? Because the, the woke tends to view the world as not so much what the action is, but who's doing the action and who's receiving the action. Right. So if it's some, you know, white straight male that we has views we disagree with and he's the one being bullied and he's being bullied by some supposedly oppressed minority group. Well, that's acceptable. That's culturally and socially acceptable. So we sort of maybe even without thinking about it, if you're a woke person, you just look over it. So maybe you like, you know, innocently enough actually don't even see the bullying that's going on. Um, So there's that, but there's also the fact that when you, when you um, abandon any kind of rational understanding of language, right? Your, 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 your thinking is going to become detached from reality. So when you encounter real bullying, you're not going to be able to see it for what it is anymore because you're so focused on calling, calling not bullying bullying, right? You're so focused on talking about how, you know, ideas are violence that when you encounter real violence, you don't recognize it anymore because you're so focused on trying to convince yourself in the world that the expression of ideas is violence or that simply disagreeing with someone is bullying, right? I mean, that's what the school board has done. I mean, I, it's, it's almost as if they actually believe what they say when they say to me in their letters, well, you know, when Josh expresses these religious beliefs in the presence of the trans students, it's bullying. And it's like, well, obviously that's not. If you're a reasonable, intelligent person, it's not. But if you've you know, convinced yourself of that belief, then when you encounter the real bullying that Josh has encountered, it's difficult to actually recognize it. Right. This is I think this is what happens with with sort of the way humans think. 
right? You believe a lie for so long that when you encounter the truth, you don't recognize it for what it is anymore. So I think those are two things that are going on here um, that people just really struggle to actually um, grasp the reality that the person being bullying is the person they are saying is the bully. Neither of you are being as helpful as I want you to be on this segment. And okay, I'll be here. Okay. So I, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll, I'll see you up even better. Okay. So we started this conversation about young women being afraid to speak out. My daughter in the middle of the pandemic was yelled at by a perfect stranger for not wearing a mask. And my daughter who had been trained by her mother that it was her constitutional right to expose her face. And also it masks don't work because we've done enough research. My daughter who had all that tenacity and all that came home and it really emotionally affected her. Mm -hmm. Like what I'm trying to help the audience understand is, can you imagine a 15 year old girl saying I'm uncomfortable with that dude in my bathroom and she walks out of the bathroom and someone puts their finger in her face and says, go kill yourself. Like, I, I understand, James, you were trying to explain why they do that. Josh is got some strength, and so he's not overly intimidated about it, nor has he likely gone and thought to take their instructions seriously. But this is the climate that our young adults have to endure in the name of a bunch of mm. perverts who may need godly, gentle, loving correction or may need stern rebuke to avoid them committing further obscenities. And I'm just saying that is an awful situation for Josh to be put in. And we would have many other people who would be broken people on here if we were listening to them. That's, that's where I'm getting at. Yes. This. Yes. So, okay. So, and I understand that. So people like Josh and I are not normal. Okay. And that's not to say that normal people are weak and we're somehow special and strong, but we are, we are not normal. And that's why we are able to do what we do and we do what we do. Okay. We have God. That's the way God's gifted men like, like, like Josh and I, we have skin a mile thick and all that stuff just, just water down our back and it's par for the course. And people like us can forget that that's not how normal people react. And it's actually good that normal people don't react the way we do, because it is serious to be called a racist or a homophobe or a transphobe or be told to go kill yourselves or whatever. I'll give a very quick example of this that kind of really jarred me the last couple of weeks. In Alberta, um, 50 lawyers signed a petition to the Law Society of Alberta to have the rule changed that imposed through um, loss of license if it wasn't followed, imposed cultural competency training about Aboriginal issues on lawyers in Alberta, okay? See, so 50 lawyers said, not okay, this rule isn't, isn't, isn't uh, good, you're, you know, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna impose all kinds of ideology on us, it's gonna start with the Aboriginal issue and then it's gonna be transgenderism and climate change and all that next, and then we, we obviously know that's where it's gonna go, right? So. For me, it was, it was fascinating and enlightening um, and saddening to see that. So predictably, what happened is those 50 lawyers, I was one of them, by the way, of course, uh, we were called 
uh, racist and told, you know, we, we didn't have the, 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 we shouldn't be practicing law. We're immoral. We're, we, we hate Aboriginal people. Um, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not fit ethically to practice law. Uh, we, we, you know, all, all these terrible things were said about us on social media at, you know, uh, uh, around the same time that we had the meeting, um, some of the lawyers talking to each other, um, the emails that were flying around. Somebody even withdrew their name from the petition because they couldn't stand being called a racist. And all the lawyers, not all, almost all of them, were very upset. They were hurt. They, they, they wanted to defend themselves. They're like, how could you call me a racist? I've practiced law with all skin colors for years. And I was surprised at the number of grown men and women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s who were shocked that they were being called this and were very hurt and felt like they had to defend themselves and say something. Meanwhile, I'm just like, what's the big deal? Like, didn't you expect that? Like, don't you normally oh, get this? Like, don't, that like, was and I'm, you know what? That's because these people are normal, even though they're tough lawyers and, and they're in their forties, fifties and sixties, they're normal people. And, and they, they actually are hurt when they're called a racist or they're, they're told that they're morally unfit to do something because they know they're not. And they're not used to being called that because because they don't do the type of stuff that I do normally. And um, I think they reacted actually appropriately. And I was the one that reacted inappropriately by saying, well, of course, people are going to call me bad names and tell me I'm unfit to be a lawyer and I should go kill myself because I think Indians are awful. Whatever. I'm, I'm accustomed to it and we shouldn't be actually accustomed to it. And you're right. Um, the fact that it's happening, and this is not to give credence to, to the woke side where they say that, you know, it's unsafe if you encounter you an, an idea you don't like. Because no, that's that, that's 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 where you go too far the other way. But the reality is, is that if we're actually treating each other the way we should in society, then yeah, there shouldn't be all these all these disgusting name callings and accusations and threats and you know phrases like "go kill yourself" or "you're unfit to be this" or "you're unfit to be that." It shouldn't be happening. And you know, people's dignity, their emotions, their feelings—they do actually matter. I mean, I don't think mine matter much, but. That, but I do think it should matter for normal people. And I think we should be paying attention to that and say, okay, right? We need to find a balance here where we say that we have to permit ideas, even offensive ones, and stop calling that a, a matter of safety. But we also need to stop saying it's okay to tell people that we don't like in society because they're tough enough to take it, that they should go kill themselves and they're unfit to be this. And, you know, they're, they're, they're this, 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 and this, and this. Um, it, 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 we have to talk about it. It should be, it should be a balance, and, and this type of thing shouldn't be going on. You know, people like Josh and I, just because we're tough and we can take it, shouldn't be, and just because we're white and we're male and, and we're Christian and conservative and whatever, we shouldn't be told these things if they're not true, you know? So, Josh, just go back to that, to, to past that and to the actual exclusion Um did they walk you out of the school? Did they uh, hand you a letter and just say, we don't want to see you tomorrow morning? Uh, how did that, how did that work? And, and go, you know, go into detail a little bit. And then James, you can, you can talk about what that word exclusion means. So go ahead, Josh. Yeah. So the, the first exclusion was came on January 8th and that was the night before I was supposed to return to school after my indefinite suspension. Um, it was just an email and it said that I was excluded because they felt my presence in the building would be detrimental to the physical and mental well-being of the pupils. Um, I obviously talked to James about this. It, we decided it was unlawful and uh, I decided to return after being at school for the day, the vice principal kept and the principal kept telling me to leave. 
Uh, one of them would follow me around each class, wrote down anything I said. And uh, yeah, they just kept telling me I wasn't welcome on the property and all that. Um, after I got home, I was... Uh, are these, are these, uh, are these men or women? Uh, the, the vice the, principal is a woman. The uh, principal is a man. Okay. And they, both woman, they, and they both identify that way. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Um, okay. So there, you, you've grown adult, one male, one female, trailing you around the school, taking notes about what you did. Okay. And then go ahead. What was the next step after that? Yeah. So I just I went to uh, the two classes I was banned from. I showed up for the, just for the afternoon because that's the only ones I was banned from. And uh, I went to those two classes. They uh, asked me to leave. Teachers tried to kick me out. I just stayed and sat in the class, did my work. And then at the end of the day, I left. And uh, upon return, I was uh, given upon a, return uh, the next morning. Upon return home uh, that evening, I was uh, served a trespassing notice. And uh, yeah, James can tell you more about that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So James, now walk us through. So that then that you said all that's around January eighth, right? Jan. Yeah. All that happened January 9th. Okay. All right. James, jump in. So yeah, we. So, so at this point, obviously we got, we got, you know, the, the religious discrimination is, is, is full on, right. And it's, you know, full on, you know, you, you, you comply with our woke ideology or you don't come to school. At a Catholic and, school. And, yeah. And, and it's at this point now, finally, that the school board has hired lawyers, right. I'm no longer dealing directly with the principal, um, who was very frustrating to deal with. Um, you know, I, I always, you know, I suppose perhaps people expect some sort of bluster from me when I, when I'm actually being a lawyer and not just appearing on a podcast like this, but I always try to be the adult in the room and say, can we talk about this? Can we sort this out? I know this is all ideological. I'm used to dealing with that. Hopefully you are. And you know, yes, everybody's got their ideological stuff. They got to appease, but can we, can we be adults? Can we be reasonable? Can we sort this out? And uh, I tried to, I tried to do that with the principal. Couldn't get anywhere. I tried to do it with the lawyers. And I said, look, um, Let's see if we can get Josh back to school and, and sort this out, right? So we had without prejudice conversations, um, pretty lengthy ones. And, um, you know, the, the, the school board had, it appeared that they had some interest. But, I mean, ultimately they decided, you know, no, ideology trumps reasonability. It trumps um, accommodations. It trumps any kind of balance. It trumps working this out like adults. And they came back and they said, nope, we're not budging an inch. And so, so Josh, you know, he missed, he missed all of the rest of January, wasn't able to go to school, right? You know, ostensibly because these trans kids in this classroom somehow had the right to say, we don't want a Christian in here who disagrees with our trans ideology. It makes us feel unsafe. It makes us feel bullied. We don't want them. We don't want them in here. So the school board says, yeah, that's right. You don't want them in here. They won't be in here. Um, and then we get to the end of the semester and I say, okay, because um, I'm, I'm actually not trying to create a conflict here, believe it or not. I write to the school and I say, look, Josh is going to be coming back in the next semester. You've told us that because these trans kids are no longer in this classroom. Um, just, you know, just so everybody is clear where this is going to go. So nobody is having it sprung on them. Josh is going to continue to express his beliefs. Specifically, he's going to continue to say that boys should not be allowed in the girls' washroom for, for all kinds of reasons around morality and modesty and religious beliefs. He's not... Uh, he, he is going to continue to say that there are only two genders and people people can't switch. He's going to do so respectfully. 
He's not going to bully any transgender kids. He hasn't, you haven't given me any evidence that he is. He's not going to actually bully any kids. So he's committing to that, but he's also committing to continue to express his religious beliefs just so we're all on the same page or everybody knows what's going to happen. You know, and I, I, it's not that I expected the school board to come back and say, well, that's fine, no problem. I expected them to come back and say, well, we better talk about this. Um, but what they actually came back and said is, well, in that case, if he's going to do that, then we're going to continue to exclude him because we feel that him doing that is to the detriment of the mental well-being of the students. And I thought, you know, I guess I'm not surprised, but really, like, let's just stop and think about how unreasonable and absurd and ridiculous this is and the lack of self-respect involved in, you know, lawyers and adults in the room saying that, take, publicly taking that position. It's just absurd. Um, but that's how we got to where we are now in February, where he's not there. He's, he, when he showed up, he was arrested and all that. Because he just simply said to the school, I'm going to be respectful. I'm not going to bully anybody. Uh, I'm, not going to, I'm not even going to interact with these, with these transgender students. I don't have any kind of like, personal relationship with them. But I am, if, if it comes up in class debates and on social media, I'm going to express myself. And I am going to continue to advocate that biological males shouldn't be in the girls' washings because I think that's really important. And, you know, the response to that, right? It's not like Josh had actually done anything yet. They simply got a letter from his lawyer. Stating that out, and by the way, you can read these on Liberty Coalition Canada website. I encourage you to read them. It's not very often you're able to read letters between lawyers because usually it's not publicized. It's very insightful. I, I encourage you to go read what I said and what they said, right, to verify everything we're talking about today. Um, just the fact that I said that as his lawyer, the response was, he's not allowed. I think that was really where, for those who are, who are maybe trying to give the school board the benefit of the doubt, I think that really where it becomes obvious that this is ideological. This is about silencing Josh. This is about segregating him. It's about it's about it's literally excluding him based on his beliefs. Because the response to me, you know, saying it in a very plain way, he's going to express his beliefs in this manner. Their response was not, okay, can, 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 we, can you give us assurances he's not going to bully the kids? That was not their response, which might have been somewhat reasonable. The response was, well, then I guess he's not coming. Too bad. Right? And, and the funny thing is, think about this too, right? They didn't say this thinking that this was going to be a quiet case and they were going to quietly get away with it. They said this knowing it was going to be as public as it is now because they know that we'd already publicized the case. They know who I am. They know who Josh is. So that's how um, that's how much they flout the rule of law that they will publicly say, if you're going to express your religious beliefs, you're not allowed here. That's where we're at. Right. So we want to talk about and I don't know if we will, but if you want to talk about the fact that there's there seems to be no healthy fear or accountability anymore for respecting the rights of unpopular groups in society like Christians. There's no um, fear, healthy fear or accountability regarding the rule of law, right? Like there's no, there seems to be no sense that, hey, this might actually be unlawful and we might actually be held accountable if we do this. That's, that's, that should give everybody pause, okay? Because that's how you get to a much worse situation where unpopular groups, whatever they may be, um, that's where it gets to the point where you can now justify or excuse something more serious, like, like actual physical injury to people or, or somehow rounding them up and, and, and putting them somewhere, right? Because if, we, if you can justify kicking them out of school, it's a slippery slope to where you start to justify other stuff. And if, and if the rule of law is, if people don't have any kind of respect for the rule of law preventing that, where's it going to go next? Okay, I have three comments, and then we're going to go back to Josh. First comment, um, I would disagree with you that it's totally ideological, James. In fact, 
I, I, I'm going to caveat it. It's a bunch of adults making lucrative amounts of money, knowing that if they defend the unpopular belief, that they will pay for that uh, in the purse. I would say that money is as much a contributing factor in this. Number two, then I would agree with you, it is ideological. There are a number of people inside, likely the principal and the vice principal who are running around with a notepad as grown adults are in this fight ideologically. So I would agree with you there, but I wanted to make that caveat. Most people are just silent on this because they don't, they, 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 they don't want the unpopular label and they don't want to lose their lucrative uh, school board position or lucrative teacher position where you get to be off all summer. Um, this has been the problem in Ontario where the school boards and, 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 the, and the school board lobby has just had way too much power for too long and they leverage it against the children. They always, you know, they always get to do the tear jerking, don't make the children suffer when it's really about protect the system. Uh, then you get to the ideology thing, and I just want to point out everybody how absurd it is in a in a country where civil discourse and limits of free speech are only around certain aspects. This, if it is about ideology, then all the more reason again for them to respectfully allow Josh to express his ideology. It, it, two ideologies need to converse in order for one to be found false, the other one to be found truthful, or for both ideologies to learn that they're incorrect and they need to move towards uh, the reality and truth. But the, if it is a battle for ideology, then it is literally in the name of ideology, we are kicking you out because of your ideology. Like, I, again, I'm just trying to point out the absurdity of the situation. So number one, I think that most of this comes down with adults not being able to be adults. Number two, ideology versus ideology, of course, then would lead it to the, to, to being the, the legal support being more in Josh's camp than in anyone else's camp. And then the third point I wanted to make, uh, James, about what you were getting at is yes, of course, this is where this is you said the word slippery slope and and now basically when someone says the word slippery slope it's almost a trigger word for me i just want to go into convulsions because i've lived long enough to see us get to the bottom of this slippery slope you know i'm on the ski hill i've skied the summit now like i, I took the second chairlift up and everyone said oh no we're all fine up here at the summit uh no the, the slippery slope doesn't exist and then all of a sudden, you know, the avalanche from the summit already has happened and we've skied to the bottom of that first slope and we're kind of in the first valley and we're just slowly trotting back up. And then there's another slope to go down. And, and if you use the word slippery slope in an intelligent way, you're basically predicting what's going to happen in the next five to 10 years. You're, you're not, you're not talking theory. You, you, you are theoretical, but what we've seen in the course of Canadian of recent Canadian history, you are seeing the future. So when you say slippery slope, yes, everybody, like Josh was told, go kill yourself. And then he was also told he was a bully because he said God created them male and female, to which no one in, uh, in, a, in a sound mind actually believes, including 
the vast majority of these school board trustees who are just trying to keep their jobs and stay out of the limelight. So, okay, back to you, Josh. So this, you, you've been you've been excluded from class. You've been given this notice of exclusion. I have to tell you that I think at this point it's a 50-50. You know, it's, it's just, in my mind, it's a 50-50. Like, what do you do? And I know that, I know that you made your own decision to do what you're going to do. So what did you do? You've been told to be excluded. And of course, most people know what you did, but walk us through that day. Yeah. So, uh, I decided to return to school. Um, I felt it was discriminatory and unlawful and, uh, I decided to return. So I ended up walking in the door for my second class of the day. Um, I walked down the hall, went to my class. I was immediately told to hand in my phone and uh, step outside. Um, I respectfully declined. Um, there was actually, I should go back a bit, before I walked in, there's already an OPP cruiser hidden in a uh, in the parking lot. Um behind some trees there but so they already had police on site but i uh i went in and, and the police uh, were surveilling like that they, like they, they also just weren't sitting back idly like that if the police cruiser was there to confirm your behavior i i that just just so everybody's clear and if, if you're not clear about that you've never been surveilled by the police but now those of us uh who are getting used to that again um th that's called surveillance that's not you know, anyways, go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, I went into the class and, uh, I refused to give my phone in and, uh, the teacher stormed out. He was quite angry. I've had, I've had interactions with him before. Um, yeah, he, he's not, he's not my biggest fan, but, uh, he, he went to the office and, uh, brought in the vice principal the vice principal told me to leave and i said no i said if if you wish to speak with me we can do it right here in the public setting and uh she said uh no you have to come with me and uh i, I again i declined and uh she decided to dismiss the entire classroom because she wanted me alone in the class so all the students get up to take their bags they start walking out so i get up i take my bag i start walking out and then um, she starts shouting, tells everybody to stop. And then uh, she tells everybody to go back into the class. So I grab my bag and I go back into the class and sit down. And uh, then she just tells everybody to leave, to stay in the building, but just leave. So she keeps having the students running back and forth because she's trying to single me out. And uh, it wasn't working out in her favor. But uh, I said to her, if, if you wish to speak with me, just let me get my lawyer on the phone and we can go talk. So I did that and I called James and we, uh, I accompanied the principal down to the office. And uh, as soon as I walked into the office, the principal blocked the exit. And um, he said, uh, yeah, he informed me he had some people on the way to come see me. I figured I knew it was going to happen. And uh, yeah, not long later, Two OPP officers walked into the office, informed me I was trespassing. They told me I had a trespassing notice, which uh, I didn't have at the time. I, I corrected them and told them it was an exclusion order, and I explained to them why I had this exclusion order. It was because I voiced my uh, religious beliefs in the classroom setting. And uh, 
the OPP officer said they would have to arrest me if I didn't leave. I told them I wasn't going to leave. And, uh, yeah, they arrested me. They brought me out. They read me my rights. They brought me out to the back of the cruiser and they drove me off the property and ended up releasing me to my brother. I was charged provincially with, uh, trespassing. So the charge came after later on in the day. Yeah, it was, uh, they, they printed it from the cruiser and gave it to me. Okay. James, uh, Kind of, can you walk through what what that means for Josh as far as what those what those charges imply? Um, uh, if you were on the phone with him, uh, you want to share kind of your experience as to being on the phone, just so everybody knows. Uh, James has had a similar experience with me, where him and I were doing a podcast, and the OPP came to check that I was uh, in quarantine. And I said, "Oh, I got to go," and I, I like I shut off the phone for a second, and I left. And James is like. Uh, why did you not just leave me on? Like that would have been better if you had left me on. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Like if, if, if. and uh, so what was it like for you hearing Josh go through this on the other end of the line? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's just um, another day in the office, I suppose. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I've been, um, I've been the lawyer for pastors sitting in jail as if I'm a Chinese lawyer. So um nothing really phases me anymore. You know, I, I sort of approach working in Canada as if, as if, um, you know, I'm working in some sort of third world totalitarian country and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the few civil liberties lawyers there. And that's not to somehow make what I do heroic. It's just, that's just sort of how I think about it. And so the, the way, because I think about that, none of this stuff sort of shocks me or surprises me, I guess. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've seen pastors get arrested. So when I see a, a kid get arrested for espousing Christian beliefs at a supposedly Catholic school, I mean, it's just sort of like, oh, well, yeah, no, that was predictable. Um, but it, it was interesting to, to listen um, on the on the call um, to, to the police. You know, they're struggling, right, to figure out what to do. Um, like Like anybody, when, when you're a person of authority and you encounter somebody who is brave enough and intelligent enough and principled enough to um, and respectful enough to calmly say, I'm not going to do what you say because it's morally wrong. What are you going to do about it? Right. That it's always interesting to watch the way the position the person in authority responds. It's it's confounding and confusing to them. It's, it's very unsettling. It's very disturbing for them. Right. Because what they're used to is saying. I'm an authority, you do this. And people do it, right? That's how you get a society like we have now that's not so free, and that's how you got pretty scary societies in the 20th century, is that right there. Because 99% of everybody just says, okay, I'll do it. And um, so, you know, listening to the voice of the, of the policeman, um, I actually think that the guy that did the talking handled himself pretty well, but I, I, had, I had a sense of the, um, the, in his voice, of the what am I supposed to do with this? And, um, you know, it would have been interesting if the policeman had a, if, if his conscience was telling him to do something different and if he had a follow to what that would have looked like. We saw a little bit of that during COVID with the, some of the sheriffs in the U.S. Um, but uh, but I have to commend him. He, 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 uh, he did, instead of being ideological uh, about it per se, in, in his own right, as opposed to just doing what the school said, you know, he didn't handcuff Josh. He just said, OK, just, you know, just come with me. Right. And uh, I, was, I, was, I was somewhat concerned that we were going to get a situation like we got in Ottawa where the OPP was going to manhandle Josh. And I'm glad to see that didn't happen. 
Um, but yeah, it was interesting to listen for, for really that reason, to, to listen to the tone of voice of the police officer as he's talking to Josh and he's trying to figure out how to, how to handle this situation, which is very untypical. I mean, this kid, well, this young man, um, I keep calling him a kid because I'm older, but I mean, really, I've dealt with Josh, by the way, the way I have with any other client is if he's, is if he's a grown man, because that's, that's where his level of wisdom and maturity and self-control on his emotions is. Um, these situations are very tense, and the fact that he's able to be so calm and respectful as he goes through them and continue to just talk principally about, about what he believes and what the situation is is truly commendable. Um, and, it, it, yeah, it was, it was really interesting um, to listen to this on the phone um, as this happened and, and um, try to get into the mind of law enforcement. Right. Because, I mean, they're, they're the other side of all of this. Right. You only got what you got last February, a year ago in Ottawa, because you have law enforcement, just like the regular people in society, going through this 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 moral um, you know, quagmire of do I do what what my authority above me is telling me to do, even though I know it's wrong? Do I do it or do I not do it? Right. And most law enforcement in Canada, they just do it. And um, that makes the situation with with COVID and with the transgender stuff now, whatever else is coming down the pipe, it makes the situation worse. Right. Because we have we have law enforcement that just pretty much seems to do whatever their superiors tell them to do, even when it's unlawful and it's immoral. So does this mean that there will be an ongoing investigation uh, when they give him a provincial charge of trespassing? Does this mean that there's, you know, an officer dedicated to that file that they're going to be? you know, interviewing students and they're going to be interviewing the principal and they're going to, they're going to interview Josh with his lawyer present. And, um, like, because I, because, because James, like I, this whole police officer thing is a fascinating topic because they have discretion hmm. and, and it, it seems like there is zero factual investigation or I, I shouldn't say that it, it seems in many cases or in certain cases, like even the idea of the accusation of bullying is it, it's totally unfounded. It's totally unfounded. And so will the police then be forced to say, well, did he actually trespass or, or actually, you know what? We're dismissing this because we actually found that the school was unlawful. Like even on their own case without, without going to the court does, is it the school pressing charges or is it the police Finding him and then now needing to do a criminal investigation, not a criminal, needing to do an investigation uh, of the of the situation. Well, the interesting thing is, is, is the police chose to ticket him with trespassing and they didn't have to. Um, and they could have charged him with something more serious or they could have given him a much larger fine. The fine amount is sixty five dollars. So then you have to ask yourself, you know, from the political perspective, why did the police um, why did they charge him at all? And of course, why was the why was the ticket for only sixty five dollars? And a lot of that is the police are having to think, okay, there has to be some political appeasement here, right? If I just I've arrested this guy because the the person with the authority over the school grounds, the principal, has said that he's not allowed to be here and he's trespassing. I've taken that guy at his word. That's what I should do, even if I have misgivings about this. And so I've arrested him and I've removed him. I don't have to charge him, but I'm but I'm going to charge him because if I don't. Well, that's going to raise all kinds of problems. You know, the principal says he's not allowed to be here. He's trespassing. And if I only arrest him and remove him and I haven't charged him, that's not going to look good either. Right. So all these things are, are, are being are being weighed. Right. Oh, but of course, when, when I ticket him, I, you know, I don't want to give him something too hard. I don't want to give him a, a, a sixty five hundred dollar um, fine amount. I'm just going to make it sixty five bucks. I'm just going to make it a little ticket. You know, the charge could have been a lot worse. 
Um, it could have not existed. That was what the police arrived at. And you have to ask yourself, why? Well, because they're balancing all these all these interests, right? It, you know, legitimate and, and, and perhaps not legitimate. Um, so, I, you know, I don't, I don't think the police did anything wrong per se, um, but it, it is interesting to, to look at that and see, see the way the, the, the response um, happened. Um, it certainly it certainly could have been um, different. Now, so far as where we go from this, so let's say we contest the ticket, right? Well, there have to be a trial. Well, the officer that, um, probably the officer that was doing the talking and the arresting and give the charge, he will obviously be a witness if, if, if the Crown prosecutor decides to go ahead with the charge. But of course, you know, what's very possible is that the Crown looks at this and says, well, this is a bogus charge and we're going to we're going to drop it. But that's I mean, that's kind of how the system works, right? It's charge and ask questions later. So I don't necessarily think it was wrong for the police to charge. I mean, obviously, I'd like them to say, OK, I know the situation. This is immoral. The school shouldn't be doing this. I'm not going to I'm not going to comply. That'd be great. But, you know, that's asking a lot. I get that. So but so it's, it's not common. It's not uncommon for the police to say, look, I've been told this. I don't know if it's true, but if it is true then this charge is made out, I'm going to make this charge. And the prosecutor comes behind and says, okay, the evidence wasn't there for that charge, I'm going to drop the charge, right? That's what very well may happen here. If not, then, you know, we'll end up having a trial on it. And all these issues about whether or not, you know, this is lawful because of the because of the religious discrimination that's underlying it all, those will, will all be at play, right? So we'll, we'll see where this goes. It could go a hundred different ways. Okay, so Josh, back to you. I'm now... Um putting up in front of my face, you know, a tweet that you sent out. Uh, and it says, I've just been arrested and charged at my Catholic high school for attending class after being excluded for, and uh, I can't see the indicating my intent to adhere to my religious beliefs. And that, that tweet went out and that's bringing us to the school situation. So I, I want to say it's bringing a conclusion to the school situation, but it's, it's bringing a conclusion to your uh, entrance and exits out of the school situation for now. Um, why, why? Okay. This is a, this is a, I, I always feel like I'm leading the witness cause I, I, I am. But, um, like Josh, like, where do you get your religious beliefs from? Like, uh, I think most people are saying like, are you a Catholic? I think, I think many people are wondering, uh, you are, you've kind of led protests in the past about, about other things. You've got your save Canada hat on and we're happy to partner with you guys and all of that type of stuff. Um, so some people might just say, um, he's a punk who likes to protest and he's and now now they have literally James Kitchen recorded saying he's abnormal. So he's an abnormal punk that likes to protest. That's kind of the the way they're going to position you. We've tried to make sure that people understand at at very least at the bottom of this are two fundamental things. One, you are defending young women. Number two, you were defending them with the presuppositions, the the foundational beliefs of your faith. So what is your faith? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, there's a lot of people, like you said, they're asking whether I'm Catholic or not. I personally am not Catholic. Um, I had been at a public board previously. You mentioned I made, uh, I had organized other protests. That was all uh, during the uh, Freedom Convoy. Um, me and my, uh, my uh, good friend, Monty Walker, organized uh, student walkouts across the country uh, in regards to the uh, mask mandates and all that. But uh, 
Yeah, my my faith has played a lot in what I've been taken up lately. Um, I feel that far too many Christians are just allowing the evil and the corruption of our world to completely just overwhelm anything. Our entire next generation is drowning in the ideological warfare that's uh, waged against them. And uh, as a Christian and as a young man, I feel an obligation to speak out and take whatever action I can. Um, especially it's a, it's a personal issue when I actually have female students coming up to me with concerns. Um, I wouldn't be able to uh, wake up in the morning and look myself in the mirror knowing that I didn't uh, do something about that. I mean, some, some are saying I've taken it too far with the, the arrest and everything, but uh, I completely disagree. I think every Christian in the country ought to be standing up right now and speaking out. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm honored to uh, be able to represent uh, the light and the truth in this uh, scenario. Um, do you want people to be saved? Like, do, do you, do you, do you want, like, I, I think all of us here are pretty concerned with justice. Um, what's your heart? What, like, what's your heart in the matter? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, like, you know, the famous quote, uh, hate the sin, not the sinner. Um, I was actually just arrested for street preaching, um, in Ottawa. And, uh, I was simply giving the gospel when I was arrested. And uh, it's disappointing because, like, I'm, I'm taking on this one battle with the schools, but then I also have, as a Christian, we're told to go into the world and give the gospel. And uh, I'm looking to do that as much as possible with the uh, platform I'm gaining right now. And uh, it's it's incredible how uh, far our freedoms have slipped and nobody even realizes it. I've been vocal and... Uh, as a 16 year old kid, I was just arrested for street preaching. So that's, that's, I don't know. I think that should wake up a, a lot of uh, Christians in Canada, but apparently not. Well, and let's talk about that. Have you seen, cause I've seen many people go, I've never thought of these things in the past, but I'm so concerned about what's going on. I'm concerned. I, I don't have a belief system, but I'm concerned that my daughter might have to go to one of these schools. You know, just this week I heard a story and I'm working on trying to get the person to come on an, on the, on an, as an interview, but a parent just took her children out of the public system because she was asking them about um, show and tell. And her youngest child said, gave a very weird, vague answer. And she asked again and, and again, gave a very weird and vague answer. And her older child came over to her and said, mommy, what's, what happens in school stays in school. And this, this mother started exploring what was going on and teachers and the principal were telling children what happens in school stays in school. You shouldn't tell your parents. No homework anymore, I guess. <laughs> oh, man. See, that's exactly it. I love it when you can see the utter inconsistency of, of the <laughs> argument. Uh, that's perfect, Josh. That's exactly right. You see right through it. Yeah. When, when you tell your parents what we tell you to do for the workload because we want you to do the workload. 
But yeah, don't tell them this secret thing that we're over here trying to do as a, a, as a bunch of moral operators or immoral operators. So, so Josh, I agree with you. And I've seen people go, I need to repent of sin in my life because now I've been confronted with it. And I, of course, I think that the proclamation of the gospel and the acceptance of the gospel transforms hearts and transforms society. Have you seen anybody, any one of those classroom mates that were walking back and forth, walking back and forth, probably feeling like idiots and, and, and onlookers. Have you seen any of those, those students or other people reach out to you and say, you're making me think about issues I've never thought about before. Um, not well, to some extent, yes, but I've actually just recently in my personal life with people I know seen, actually seen quite a bit of, uh, repentance and salvation just through like watching like uh like bringing people to different churches and uh speaking on these different topics it's waking people up and they're seeing how important faith actually is um because if you're just living your regular boring life i mean i don't know i don't i don't see where the the higher purpose is but uh when you actually are going through a struggle where you need him and you uh rely on him you become a lot closer. So, uh, where do you go to church? Uh, right now, I'm currently going to a uh, Calvary Baptist Church in Pembroke. Okay, and and I assume that that's a Bible believing church that they've kind of trained you up in your views of creation, and they've trained you up in your in your in your views of. Uh, uh, of scripture and, and your, your views of men and women and salvation and all of those things. Like you, you've been attending there for some time. Yeah, I've been there. I've always been in evangelical churches, but I've been there for uh, three years now, I suppose. Okay. And who's your pastor? Um, it's uh, his name, Ritz Richard. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I really hope that uh, Calvary Baptist church and pastor Richard, uh, we'll be standing with you, and uh, I'm sure that they're proud of you, and they're proud of you uh, sharing the gospel the way that you have been. And I, I look forward to them. You know, maybe I'll I'll try to reach out to them, invite them on the podcast too. But that's great. So Calvary Baptist Church in Pembroke, good for you raising up a young man. And I hope that uh, you'll take some of the heat with him on this. Uh, because that, that'll be a great testimony for your church uh, in your community. So uh, again, that's Calvary Baptist Church in Pembroke. Everybody go, and uh, if you live in that area, make sure you give them a visit and tell them that Josh sent you, and hopefully maybe it'll help grow the church. So okay, we're going to move on to the next point, because you've, we've talked about your, your arrest, and now you've just mentioned street preaching arrest. So let's just go through them. One, at the school. Is it a second or is it a third arrest uh, that you're dealing with right now? Right now I'm working on my uh, second arrest. Okay. And so, I, again, I'm looking at your Twitter feed and it just says, I've just been arrested in charge for the second time this week while sharing the gospel in a pub, on a public sidewalk in Ottawa, myself and my brother uh, at Nick underscore save Canada were forced into traffic and arrested by Ottawa police. So 
Why don't you walk us through this scenario? Because again, folks, this is I, people need to understand this. It's not a one issue thing. The world is an integrated place. Education is uh, it, it manifests itself out on the public street. Um, if you're concerned about this issue in one area, then it means you're concerned about it in other areas. So of course I can look at your tweet and I can see that this is in some type of context of, uh, probably a drag queen story hour. Uh, that's what I'm assuming you feel free to walk me through the details of the day. But again, folks, like if you're concerned that girls can't go to the bathroom, then you would also be, as we are concerned that grown men are dressing up in scantily clad uh, dress, uh, of, of, often over-sexualized dress, um, and reading stories to children with like demon haircuts. Like, you know, we've seen, we've seen some of this stuff. You, 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 wouldn't, you, you wouldn't let your children get a story being read to them by a woman dressed like that, but now you're often having them read by a man dressed as a woman dressed like that. So, so Josh, walk us through this second story and, um, and then we'll, we'll go back to James a little bit on it. Yeah. So, um, the national arts center in Ottawa had put on a drag queen story time, uh, myself and, uh, my crew from safe Canada and, uh, Daisy media there decided to throw together a protest um, just on the sidewalk. We had communications with police liaison. They gave us the go ahead and uh, we held a uh, fairly open uh, line of communications with them. And uh, so the day came, we were, there was a few of us there and uh, we were vastly outnumbered by counter protesters. Um, they uh, kept intruding on our protest location. They ended up pushing us away from the doors and uh, we were standing there. It was pretty slow. And uh, just on a personal level, I could look into the crowd and I could see the amount of confusion and hurt, basically, would be the word, in the, in the, just in the eyes of the counter-protesters to us. And uh, they're, they're defending such an evil and a lost cause. And uh, I had a megaphone there and I decided to just go back to the door where I had originally organized the protest. And, just, uh, I'm just going to pause you on that. When you say organize a protest, you, you, you had been in you had been in conversation with an Ottawa police liaison and given okay to run a protest. Yeah, and that impro that protest included maybe an, an agreement on where you would locate the protest. Yep. Okay, and you said you were pushed out of that. So again. In typical fashion, you and James are just going to ignore all of the stuff that us normal people are traumatized by. So you were pushed out of that. Was that like a fluffy little pillow push? Like, again, for people who weren't on the ground, what was that like? You were running a protest. You had, you had the police sign off on your location. So that I would assume, because again, that's important detail, right? Because I assume you're not barring the entrance or you're not harassing people who actually are going in. You are in a, an agreed upon location that the police are satisfied that you are airing your concerns as people are going in, but you're not, you're not interfering with their participation. I, 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 I why else have a police liaison if you haven't covered 
that basic fact. So am I correct in my understanding of that situation? Yeah. So yeah, the, the protesters, they'd inch forward and they have their massive pride flags and banners and they use that to kind of uh, shield their pushes and they'll just slowly inch forward. Then police will form a line and intervene and the way they just strategically kind of move up and uh, make slight physical efforts to move us. Um, previously, I'd been at a uh, Peterborough Public Library for the same kind of thing. And uh, what they'd actually do, they'd put the pride flags up in your face and they'd uh, use that to shield bunches. So they'd uh, they punched me in the face a couple times there. But uh, yeah, they that's they just physically remove you. And of course, these are people with their faces open so that it can be seen on camera, so that there can be evidence against them later on when they're physically uh, right. Because th- these are these are these are calm, modest, gentle people. They're not using profanities against you. Of course, everybody understands this is sarcasm. Uh, what were they saying to you? Yeah, so they like it can get pretty gross when you're in that kind of uh, environment. Like they will come up, they'll grind on you. They have Antifa masks on and they'll throw punches and they like, and I, I didn't form them multiple times. You realize I'm a minor, right? And they're there like physically doing extremely disgusting sexual actions. And uh, like, I'm not, I know the police are watching me and I'm kind of, targeted so i'm not like i'm I'm not able to do anything back i will just keep having to back away whenever somebody does that and uh yeah so that's that's what the environment's like there i didn't experience as much of that in ottawa um but right before the arrests were made there it got physical again but uh okay and and so then what happened it got physical and then what happened yeah, so I, I walked into the crowd. Like I said, it had been pretty dead. We'd been pushed off our original location, or, protest organization, or sorry, location. And uh, so I grabbed my uh, my brother, Nick Alexander, and Monty Walker. And uh, we took the megaphone and we just went back to the door. We didn't instruct our protest to go there. We just went back in after observing what the crowd was like. And uh, I felt a need to go out there and spread a setting a neutral message of uh the gospel and something that wasn't so uh you know controversial and uh wasn't politicized so i i walked in there with the megaphone and we quoted a little bit of scripture and uh i was almost immediately assaulted by countless protesters they were ripping my megaphone apart they uh took my hat, threw it up in the air, stomped it on the ground. They were shoving me, hitting me. Um, they pinned me up against the wall of the NEC at one point. Um, yeah, they were just swarming us. So at that point, police ran in. They grabbed me pull, and my brother and Monty. They pulled us all out, and they were shouting at me to stop using the megaphone, uh, which I didn't stop doing. I like I went with them as best as I could while I was being pulled in every direction by counter-protesters, but... Uh, I, I went with them as well, good as I could. And while continuing to give the gospel on the megaphone and, uh, they, and they threw me and my brother into the street. And, uh, when I tried to get off the street and back onto the sidewalk, cause I was in traffic, they threw me back onto the street, the same with my brother. And then they arrested my brother for being on the street. So, um, I then had a chance to, uh, 
I stood up on a bit of a snow hill there and there's CTV and global news and all that. And I was just continuing to give the gospel um, while my brother is being walked away in cuffs. Um, and then uh, after that kind of uh, calmed down for a second, I uh, went back to the place where the protest, my protesters had been pushed off. I was trying to go meet up with my crew and uh, talk with them about how to move forward. Uh, so I go, there's a crosswalk and uh, I walk across the crosswalk when the light said I could and police meet me midway and uh, they start grabbing me and shoving me and telling me I'm going to be arrested for disruption. And uh, I continued to quote a little bit of scripture on the megaphone and they told me if I didn't stop uh, speaking, I'd be arrested for disruption. So I just, I think I was quoting John 3.16 or something at the time and they, uh, they grabbed me, uh, roughed me over to the cruiser and uh, arrested me. Um, I was in the cruiser for maybe, I don't know, it, was, it had to be close to two hours. Um, and then they finally drove me out and uh, released me and gave me a trespassing notice on a public sidewalk. So <laughs> I don't know how that works, but yeah, that's about what happened. Okay. I, I just, I'm going to kind of resummarize this. So everybody, we have Josh working with liaisons. So again, James, I want you to correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but I organize a protest. Maybe the counter protesters called the police and said, we want to organize a counter protest. And I'm assuming that the police are going great. Here are the boundaries for both of you. Um, physical assault with covered faces like criminals Assaulting a minor, gyrating a minor, which Josh admitted didn't happen as much here, but I bet you if we had a video camera, we'd see some of it. Likely vul vulgarities, likely obscenities, uh, likely uh, threats of I'm going to do this to you, uh, sexual positions likely. I'm, I'm, Josh, you can confirm that or deny that, uh, or you just say maybe it happened. I didn't hear it. I'm, I'm just like um, – and Josh is maintaining his presence in his protest area. And the police arrest him. Over to you, James Kitchen. That's normal. Welcome to Canada. Um, yeah, actually, actually, I'm glad you said it that way because I want to say this clearly. Canada, this is you. Like you are Sodom and Gomorrah and your young adults are being dragged off the streets by your, your ancient near Eastern or your Roman soldiers for organizing a protest that, yeah. And, and I know we shouldn't be surprised about this, but Canada, this is you Canadian church. This is the way they're treating your young people. And by the way, you're not proclaiming the gospel if you're confused about which side to be on this. Go ahead and confront sin and, 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 and proclaim the gospel so that people can repent of their sin. But if you're not willing to define sin and you're not willing to stand up publicly and do that, then don't pretend like you're somewhere over here uh, winning culture and winning souls for Christ. There are different methods of doing evangelism. But at very least, your country is Sodom and Gomorrah, and they think they're morally right by promo promoting 
a man reading a story in a sexualized outfit to children. And they're dragging off our children for saying John 3.16. Go ahead, James. Sorry. You just got me yeah. on there. No, that's that's where we're at. Um, I've, I've defended three preachers. I've had them as clients, um, and that's that's typical behavior. Um, you know, there's an obvious double standard here, right? Um, do the police go in and protect, um, you know, the right of Josh to to uh, to protest there? That's to see the charter, freedom of peaceful assembly. That's to be the charter. It's it's um, freedom of, uh, of expression, and it's to a the charter, freedom of religion, as well, of course. So, do the police go in and protect that? And tell the protesters to, you know, act in a lawful manner. No, right? They go in and they grab and they remove uh, who they think are the real problem, and then and then they slap a charge on them. Uh, you know, I, I, I've defended a street preacher in Edmonton who I think is still going at it. Um, you know, he had eight charges. Uh, seven of them were dropped. and went to trial, and the eighth one was thrown out. Um, and then he hasn't been charged since. Finally, the police uh, the police have stopped charging him. Although, you know, this type of stuff happens to him, right? He gets his stuff peed on by passersby and they threaten him and whatever. And so it's a pretty dangerous job for him. It's not like he can count on the police to really protect him. They sort of just have left him alone. Um, that's how it is. That double standard, um, that's that's how it is with police and street preachers in Canada. Um, it's, uh, you know, and I would expect it to go like that, like that in Ottawa, especially after we saw last year. You know, this is where the Ottawa police are at. Um, and I think it's, I think it's really... Um, it's not okay. It's not acceptable. And we, we shouldn't, as a society, be accepting it. Um, regardless of your views on whether or not you agree with, with what Josh is saying, that's besides the point, of course. The point is, you know, do we want to live in a society where, where this is the kind of double standard we have? Um, you know, we don't have the rule of law anymore when it comes to equality. We only protect the, the rights to protest for free speech of the woke mob and not of the minority dissenters. You know, what happened to, to protection of minorities being one of the you know pillars of democracy in our society, as the Supreme Court said in the 1990s, right? We've, we've lost all that, and we get this, which I wasn't surprised to hear when Josh told me about it. It's pretty predictable, unfortunately, and um, it shouldn't be. It really, it really, it really shouldn't be. And I, I'll be curious to see what happens with these charges, um, you know, whether they're thrown out or not, or whether we go to trial and we, we, we hash out all the evidence of what really happened. It'll be interesting to see. I'm trying to keep this a little bit on the average person's radar and, and what I, what I, what I'm trying to make in my points. And, and as you just mentioned there, like people obviously, obviously Josh is far more comfortable with controversy and your average street preacher is far more comfortable. I'm far more comfortable than, you know, I, I, as a pastor, I, you know, parents will be like, how do I parent my child? So you, you look at them, you tell them what you want to do, you, you lay out the consequences, and if they disobey you, you give them consequences, and uh, you, 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 you tell them you love them, you affirm them in, in, in uh, their, their identity, you, you preach the gospel to them. But at the end of the day, if they, if they need a good spank, you give them a good spank. If they need their phone taken away, you take their phone away. If they're a liar, you call them a liar. And, and, and you, you deal with the root problem of the sin. And what I'm trying to get at with this sec section is people go, well, I could never do what Josh does. And therefore, I'm never... Uh, also going to pay those consequences. Like he's out there, he's brash. And so of course he's going to be get treated. What, what I'm trying to get everyone to understand is like, this is your workplace. Like this is you going to work saying, Oh, there's a guy in my bathroom. I don't like it. Uh, HR department. Can we please not have, 
and boom, it's on you. This is like a policy of like, yeah, I'm a lawyer and I'm doing forest ideology training. Uh, most of the left's reductionist history of Canada is all a lie anyways about how the indigenous have been treated. Furthermore, forcing lawyers to sign off on an ideology training that is patently false is 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 awful. And so this is happening everywhere, everybody. And so, yes, you're not Josh, you're not James, you're not Mike, you're, you're not maybe out there willing to take this level of intense response, but, but this is happening. This is, this is, they're just eating you up every little place you go step-by-step. And Josh, you articulated it so well when you said, the, uh, the next generation is is like they're they're being tossed back and forth. It is a violent sea out there, and they're drowning because there's a whole generation of uh, silent Christians who have misunderstood what it is to live out their Christianity and to proclaim the gospel. So, Josh, I am very thankful so much for what you're doing. Um, what's next? Yeah, right now we're uh, we're taking my case at the school to the Human Rights Tribunal, and uh, I'll have to I'll have to talk with James to see whether we'll challenge the uh, recent charges I've been given. But uh, yeah, right now it's just a lot of media. And um, do you have any like? I understand that you're not just in this fight temporarily, and so uh, you know uh, everybody. If you go to our website, Liberty Coalition Canada, uh, our feature initiative is is josh's work right now and uh what started out with josh being an aware student and a brave student um you know i i know josh you know you're thinking of uh in the same way you you led a national um uh, event previously uh are you thinking of anything further than just dealing with this situation as is or or what are your thoughts about you know, you're, you're utilizing all these media contacts. Yeah. So right now, actually on Liberty Coalition Canada website, there's a petition you can sign and, uh, that, that petition is going to come in very handy with a, uh, larger event I'm planning. Um, it's going to involve both Canada and the United States, but, uh, you'll have to stay tuned for that. Uh, Look at you pins and needles. That's fantastic. Okay. Look, so guys, this has been a great time. I, I know that we're kind of approaching the end of our program. Uh, everybody, you need to share this video with Christians and non-Christians alike. You need to share this video. So people get, this is what the long form discussions are about. You have heard this side of the story. Don't make quick judgments, right? The first to speak is often thought right until he is questioned by somebody else. You've, you've now heard, uh, the, the story as it is, uh, and the story as it is from Josh's perspective. And so that's what these long conversations are for. You have lots of information. You can go to our website. You can read further about these, uh, uh, letters. You can sign the petition. Uh, you can, and, and in the petition, you can read more information there. We're here to inform you and, and to support individuals who are standing up for Liberty. And so Josh, we're proud to partner with you. We're, we're thankful for your stand. We're glad I reached out to James uh, for legal counsel. We are going to support you there. Uh, so everybody share this video because it's so important. Canada is literally arresting our young adults for not 
complying to an absurd idea that men can be women and women can be men. At very best, that is still an academic ideological argument with no biological grounding. And most often it is deeply linked to just a desire for absolute sexually immoral behavior. So our, we've got a young man standing up here, share this video, help people understand the situation. And we'll see you next time, Josh and James. I'm sure we're going to be on in the next few months again together. James, thank you for your time, both your legal mind and your moral mind. Josh, thank you for being a calm, uh, a strangely calm man, uh, like a, like just a rock. And so good for you. Stay self-controlled. Uh, you know, don't, you know, show them what a, what a strong uh, rock controlled young man can look like. Everybody, thanks for listening. I'm Michael Thiessen. Godspeed. Friends, we're posting new content multiple times every week throughout our various shows on this channel. So you're going to want to subscribe to it and hit that notification bell. That way you stay up to date with everything that we're releasing here with the Liberty Coalition Canada.